is such an important topic I wanted to come on and share with you today. Now, listen, the things I want to talk about today aren't for everybody. So I just want to make sure you're in the right place. If you can handle a, a heavier conversation today, make sure that you are out of the earshot of littles. This is a conversation made for people that are in relationships with addicts, alcoholics, or other narcissistic people. And it's so important that we have this conversation now because what, we just, we just ended Labor Day weekend, right? Here in the US. And anytime there's a holiday or an event, 4th of July, Christmas, New Year's, um, Thanksgiving, we know as people that are dealing with uh, dysfunctional people that these are not our favorite holidays. These are the times whenever you, you know you expect for the best, you hope for the best. You think, man, we're going to go on the boat. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time. We're going to go to that party and it's going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden bad things happen. And that's who I want to talk with today. That's why I just wanted to be here with you and spend a little bit of time. So if that's not you, if you're not in a relationship with somebody who's addicted or narcissistic or toxic or dysfunctional, then this talk really isn't for you. But if you are, I've got you. We're going to talk about today how to handle the phenomenon that looks something like this. Crap went down over, over uh, Labor Day weekend. Bad things happened. They all the way from um, a minor infraction where you were just not just, but you were mortified and embarrassed at something that they had done over the over the weekend, all the way to major issues where something bad really did, something even worse happened. Somebody got a DUI, something terrible happened and everything in between on that spectrum. But I know one thing is for sure, if you're the spouse or a partner of a person who is actively addicted or narcissistic, that they're going to wake up the next day and go, what, what? nothing really, come on, nothing really that bad happened. It wasn't that bad. Or they're going to do one of three things after that major event has happened. Number one, they're going to minimize it, or they're going to rationalize it, or they're going to throw a bunch of reasons at you that that happened and how it, it wouldn't, it, it shouldn't have happened. And this is all falls under gaslight, by the way, like you didn't really see what you saw. It really wasn't that bad. They did not make as big of an ass of themselves as you thought they did, et cetera, et cetera. Or um, they're going to, they're going to guilt you and they're going to say things like, uh, you know what? I already feel bad enough about that thing that happened. So if you bring it up and you want to remind me of that thing that happened, you're going to make me feel 10 times worse. And you're going to make me want to do bad things. If you try to remind me of all the bad things that happened, I already know. So don't tell me any of this. They're going to guilt you into silence or they're going to blame you. Why I acted that way because of you, because you did that thing and you didn't say you were going to do and you, you put me in that scenario and it's your fault that bad things happen. What is all of this? Why do people that are narcissistic or addicted expect you to just go back to normal after a major event has happened? Why is that? Like you and I, as people, we could be like, man, don't you realize that that terrible thing just happened? And they're like, you know, just wake it up and like brushing their teeth and making the scrambled eggs like nothing. And you're like, what planet am I on? Is this real? Well, there's a couple of reasons that I, that happens. And, and the main reason that that happens is because denial is, is part of the disease, the disorder, the psychological disorder of addiction is hand in hand with denial. You cannot have addiction, somebody be actively addicted and have denial not be a part of that 
psychological disorder. So scratching your head and wondering in the morning how after this Labor Day weekend, you're waking up and something, you know, after something terrible has happened and they're acting like nothing has happened and you're upset. Like you're like, that's unconscionable. I cannot believe that they're just pretending like nothing went down. You have to remember that denial is intertwined with this. It's a part of this. So what do you do? If you know that that is to be expected, that they're going to wake up now after this big Labor Day weekend, shenanigan, blowout, dysfunction, junction, okay, cray cray of time, and you've been on a crazy train, okay, the hot, hot mess express with this person over the weekend, and now they're acting like nothing. So if you can expect that, what are you supposed to do as a partner or a spouse? Well, your role is to, first of all, check in with yourself and be real with yourself about what happened over these last couple of days. All right. Did they drive drunk with the children in the car? Did they uh, make an ass of themselves in front of your friends? Did they um, ruin the whole cookout? Did they uh, make it so you couldn't even go? Did they... Uh, I don't know. On the spectrum, believe me, you can leave a con. This isn't to like shame and blame people. This isn't like, oh, let's make them feel bad. It's just because you are so used to being in a relationship with somebody who minimizes and rationalizes and you're so accustomed to the gaslight that the biggest gaslight you have to watch out for isn't from your narcissistic addicted partner. It's the one you put on yourself. It's the gaslight we do to ourselves the next day. Like, well, maybe it really wasn't that bad. We wake up the next day because we're in pain and we also want to minimize. We want to sweep it under the rug. We want to act like, like nothing has happened. Not because we're bad people, but because we want, we're pain adverse. We don't want to wake up and go, oh my God, nobody wants to wake up after somebody has had a bender, a terrible night, acted a fool, gone off the rails with their drug of choice, done whatever. Nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, you know what I want to do? I want to confront everything that happened. Yes, I want to take notes. I mean, some people might be really into that. They're like, I want to take a journal note and show you what you did. Others of you are like, I want to take a video of you when you're acting like this. And I've seen this happen. I'm going to take a video of you acting a fool. And the next morning when you're sober, I'm going to play it for you. I'm going to show you. Now, not, those aren't, that isn't the right way either. Okay. And how do I know if there's a right or a wrong way to do this? Isn't because it's just like some kind of cool, you know, idea that I have in my head. I've worked when I, I've done this work for almost two decades in addiction and codependency specifically. For those of you who are just joining me, I'm Heidi Rain. Hello. <laughs> I didn't even say hello because <laughs> we just get right into it. But I, I, what I love to do is to help people who are impacted by other people's addictions or narcissistic behavior and help them to reclaim their personal power, their sanity, give them strategies to be able to cope and deal with the addict or alcoholic in their life or the otherwise narcissistic person and really break those patterns for good so that they can have the healthy, 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 happy life that, that you really deserve. And so uh, when I was working inside of one of the world's leading drug and alcohol treatment centers for almost a decade, I've helped thousands of addicts and alcoholics, but I've also helped hundreds of families. And I feel like that's the missing piece, right? Is like, there's help every, every couple of feet. There's a, there's a place for people that are struggling with drugs and alcohol to go, but for the family members, there's not a lot of places to go. There's Al-Anon, which is great. You know, if, if you're a spouse of a loved one, if you're kids, there's Alateen and things like that. But at the end of the day, 
what we need as family members is not just support just for somebody to be like, yeah, it sucks. Great. You, you can identify with me. You can relate. I'm waking up the next day. I'm a family member. The shit hit the fan last night. I'm thinking how terrible it is. And other people are going to commiserate with me and go, yeah, it's so bad. But what we really need as family members more than anything is strategy. We need to be told, well, this is the best practice. This is what to do in a situation like this. And, and to have somebody kind of hold our hands because addiction in a family dynamic will make a smart person feel crazy. You could be the smartest person in the world and you're dealing with an addict or an alcoholic and you feel like you're crazy. And that's not by accident. It's because it, the disease is crazy. The psychological disorder is crazy. You're looking at this person that you love and you're like, how can you possibly choose this over this? That's what we say as family, right? We're like, you have over here on this boat, you have your kids, you have me, you have hot dogs, you have hamburgers, you have water, you have this happy life, you have this beautiful family, and what are you doing? You're choosing to be drunk off in the corner and throwing up over the boat and throwing it all away at the same time. It's maddening to us. We cannot wrap our head around why somebody would consciously choose this. And addiction, first thing we need to know as a family member is, I know you're pissed off. I know you're waking up on Monday and you are so mad. You're like, they did it again, Heidi. They promised me they were going to be on their best behavior. They told me they were just going to drink like a little bit. They told me that I, I could trust them if I took them to that work function, not to embarrass me. They promised me they were going to do the best they could. And then we got there and they lied and they went off the rails and they embarrassed me. And I know you're waking up today and you are pissed off and you have every right to be pissed off. But we need to understand what's really going on here. Is this a choice? Did they make a decision? Did they tell you one thing and then pull the wool over your eyes and like hoodwink you into another thing? Addiction is a disease of denial. The person who's addicted is saying to you, I'm not going to drink today. I'm going to be on my best behavior. I'm only going to have two drinks today, Martha. Hey, I know I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be on my best behavior. I don't even want to drink today. They actually mean that. There's a part of them that actually believes what they're saying because addiction is is so is is a is a blind disease. They're they're like lying to themselves and they're believing their own lies. So our thing as a family member is when somebody you're you're having this big party, this big event, and they go, I'll, I'll give you an example in my own life. I remember many Christmases and, and the holidays are coming up. And trust me, I'm going to be here for you for every holiday. Okay. But, you know, I, I, Christmas was coming up and I'd say to my dad, hey, dad, look, you know, hey, Christmas is here. Please don't make an ass of yourself. Please don't fall into the tree. Please don't be drunk. If you're drunk, it's not going to be a bad. And I would just hope and pray that my dad would like choose me and choose Christmas over alcohol. You know what I mean? And maybe you're in that boat too, where you're like, it's for, it's it's the holiday, it's Labor Day weekend, just choose the family this time. So we have that attitude, but we're forgetting that addiction doesn't have that kind of freedom. Addiction isn't, when somebody's actively addicted, there isn't a mechanism that has an off switch like a normie would have. And so we can't keep treating our addicts and alcoholics in our lives like normal social drinking people that have an off switch. They don't have it. That's actually like release the hostage. 
you know, looking at an alcoholic and being like, I expect you to have two drinks today. And if you have more than two drinks, you're an asshole and I'm going to be mad at you is like looking at a dog and being like, I don't want to hear one bark out of you. If I hear a bark out of you, dog, I'm going to be really angry at you. And you're going to promise me that you're not going to bark today. And then you let a mail truck go by. Expecting an alcoholic to have two drinks is like expecting a dog not to bark. I mean, it's, it's not reality. And so if we can just say, okay, I have an active alcoholic. I know that they're going to be drinking because that's what active alcoholics do. Then I get to decide how I experience that person from now on. Right. And I, what I would say to my dad, once I got this notion is I would say, Hey dad, look, you know, you, you're going to do what you're going to do, but I will tell you this, if you drink on Christmas and you're drunk at Christmas and you come to the house, I will ask you to leave. And then actually when my dad's drunk on Christmas, I'm not disappointed in that the alcoholic is drunk on Christmas. That's like being disappointed. The sun came out today. Suns come out every day and alcoholics drink. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, so instead of being mad at him for that, I would say to be expected and then hold my boundary and say, well, you're drunk, you've got to go. And that's hurtful, right? Nobody wants to be the person to like leave the party or say, you know what? I'm embarrassed. I got to go. You can, you do your thing, but I'm going to protect myself and our children from this environment. So let's say you woke up today on a Monday. I remember one time it was, there was like things like this happen all the time, right? These, these major events happen and one time it was the middle of winter in Pennsylvania and, and my dad had been out like all night long and, and we were kind of waiting for him to come home. Like, where is he? What's going on? And he, and we were like glued again. So it was icy out. It was like stormy out. And the, and all of us were kind of glued to the window, like looking for him. And all of a sudden he like stumbles into the door, the screen door, like, you know, busted in, comes into the house and he's bloody from like head to toe. He's like got frozen blood on his face. His knuckles are all bloody. His clothes are tattered. And we look out and there's actually no car. There's no vehicle. My dad had walked at some point from the bar up on the hill, Jimmy's place in this small town where I grew up and walked all these miles home and God knows what happened. And he comes in and he's bleeding and he's bloody and he's drunk and he reeks of vodka, you know, vodka doesn't smell, but you know how it is. You can smell. And he's, it's just like, it's terrible. And then I swear to you, the next day we were all up brushing our teeth, getting ready for dad's at work. And just like he comes home from work that day, he's got little scars on his knuckles, his hair's back in place and nobody says a damn word. That's nuts, right? Like when you think about that, it's like you can probably relate to that. Maybe maybe you grew up in an environment like that too, where it's like all hell's breaking loose, man. There's a war. And then we're at dinner the next day, just like, oh, I'm just having her. Don't mind my evil queen cup. I had to, I had to get it. I'm really not. The, I feel like she's misunderstood. Okay. But the next day, everybody's acting like it's normal. So you know that's crazy. You know that's crazy for everybody to act like it's not normal. So what I want you to do today, if you're waking up and the addict or alcoholic or narcissist is going, what, what, like it's today's a new day. You know, they're making you feel bad. I know that you expecting them to realize what's happening is, is not a realistic way to go. But what we can do is work with you. So I want you to recognize it first. I want you to take a big deep breath in and an open journal. And I want you to take a minute and pour out your thoughts on how is this behavior impacting you directly? How is this behavior impacting you? 
all of your focus as a spouse is on damage control. It's like you're a lawyer, you're a mediator, you're a doctor, you're a host, you're 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 a, a therapist, you're a halfway house, you know, and all of your energy is focused on this addict or alcoholic and sweeping up behind the mess and making everything fire on all cylinders. And what gets lost in the mix is you. And you are a strong person. You are a person that is counted on by other people. You have children or you have fam other family or you have work responsibilities or you're an entrepreneur. Or you have other things that are relying on you. And you're like, I'm not really impacted. It's okay. And you know what? Here's the thing. When you're in crisis, like when you're in war, all right, when somebody goes into war, why is PTSD a real thing? Because when people are in war and they're battling every day, they're in crisis mode. They're in survival mode. They cannot recognize or even begin to understand the impact of that war on their psychology, on their mental health, until when? Until they come up for air and get out of the war. So every day that you're in battle with your addict or alcoholic and you're sweeping up the pieces and you're trying to put everything back together again and you're covering for them at work and you're and you're making excuses and you're telling the kids it's not as bad as it is and you're lying for them and doing all the things that you may or not may not be doing okay you're in war and you're not realizing that when you come up for air out of that relationship you are going to have cptsd from that relationship complex post-traumatic stress from being in a relationship with an addict or an alcoholic do you know why most people stay in abusive relationships is because the number one reason is because they don't realize they're in one. They see people as complicated. They see people as complex. They don't see people as abusive. They see people as broken and as wounded. And you can run the risk of having uh, toxic compassion or toxic empathy for the addict or alcoholic in your life. And you, you rationalize and justify their using and feel sorry for them and feel bad about it. And because of that compassion and empathy that you hold in your heart, because you're a good person, because you're a good egg, that compassion you hold, you continue to put up with the behavior by rationalizing that bad behavior and then excusing it and minimizing it and the impact on you and the kids. And you've got to stop doing that. You've got to stop doing that. You've got to realize that when you can come up for air, you too have CPTSD from this. You are being impacted. Being in a relationship with an addict or an alcoholic is the same thing as surviving narcissistic abuse. I want you to take that in for a minute. Do you love Dr. Romani? I know I love me some Dr. Romani. I know I've watched one or two of those videos. And we can all agree that when we look at a narcissist, we're like, yeah, that jerk. You know what I mean? Look at how they're treating that person. I'll get out of that relationship with that narcissist. Yeah. But do you know there's no greater narcissist than an addict or an alcoholic who's active in their addiction? There is no greater form of narcissism than addiction. No, no other narcissist is a bigger narcissist than an addict or an alcoholic. But what's the difference? With a narcissist, we don't understand they're a narcissist because of their childhood trauma. We understand addicts are traumatized and that's why they're addicted. So we don't we don't have the same compassion and empathy we do for narcissists as we do for addicts and alcoholics. But even if you have that compassion, there has to be a line. You can have compassion for somebody and be like, well, they're addicted because this happened and they have unhealed trauma. And you can still say, okay, I can have compassion for your situation and I can feel bad about it and I don't need to keep tolerating it. I don't need to keep like being concerned about it. I don't need to keep on like squashing and minimizing my own feelings and uh, opinions about this and biting my tongue and keeping my mouth shut to save the peace and walking on eggshells with you. By the way, how's that working? 
How's the, how are those eggshells working for you? You and I both know they're not. They're not working because it's full of tripwires everywhere you turn. You know, you, you can't, there is no success here. So why do I want you to notice the pain? Because people stay in pain when they don't realize they're actually in pain. It's like, especially for people who grew up in toxicity or dysfunction, it's like your barometer for shit shows is high. You're like, I, I can function in this. Yeah, this looks familiar. Uh, shit show supervisor. Ding, ding. You know, you're like rowing the boat, you know, up the creek. And you know the creek because you've been up it many times with many people before. And you know how to get up the creek. But just because you know how to deal in something like that doesn't mean you should. So what do I want you to do today? You're waking up on Monday. Things went down. It was not okay. It was not a good scene. I want you to take note, open up journal and write down how you've been impacted by this. That is the very first step today. Before you sweep it under the rug, before you make it okay, before you call the friends and make a story up, before you do anything else, I want you to take a look at how you've been impacted by this. And I'm going to tell you the key areas I want you to look for psychologically. What is this addiction, addicted relationship, this abusive relationship that you're in with an active addict or alcoholic who's a narcissist, because it's the same thing. What is the impact of you psychologically? Are you forgetting who you are, how smart you are? Does it make you feel like you're going crazy? Do you wonder if you're imagining things and making things up? As Melody Beattie said all those years ago in Kona Peta No More, if it feels crazy, it probably is. Psychologically, there's so much gaslighting that goes on in a relationship with an actor and alcoholic that you don't know if you're coming or going. You don't know what's real and what's not real. You don't know. You question yourself constantly. Am, am I the cause of this? Am I creating this? Can I, did I, did I create that scenario? Like you, you wonder, and that's real. That's one way. Emotionally, you are on a roller coaster of feelings, of resentment, of rage, of sadness, of anxiety. I don't know how we as being in a, a relationships with actual alcoholics that are active can actually have the time and bandwidth to emotionally do anything other than be in survival mode. Psychologically, you're affected. Emotionally, you're, fed up, you're affected. Financially, you're likely affected because addiction isn't just about what drug of choice. It's not just drug of choice. There's gambling. There's all kinds of different things. And they're all the same, by the way. Maybe somebody acted out in other ways this weekend. Maybe they acted out with another addiction. It wasn't using substances. It was using another substance. They were on their internet and you found all the things and you found the sites they were on. Emotionally, what's that doing to you? Your self-esteem, your value as a human being. Financially, they could be draining you. Uh, spiritually, you know, you, you start to question what is the purpose of all of this? And where is God in all this? And the only time you pray is when it's about the other person. You've lost your connection yourself. Socially, it's affecting you. You can't tell your friends what's going on. And if you do, they don't get it anyway. And they give you advice. It's not working for you. You are impacted. And why am I spending so much time on this? Is because here's what I know for sure. If I can work with you, the family members of the person that's addicted, two things are going to happen. Number one, you have a better shot at getting that person help because I know exactly what to do to help you, to tell you what to do to help. Okay. That's the first thing. You're going to have a better shot at saving that person's life. And that's important to me. But the second thing that I know that we're going to do if we work together is I'm going to help you break generational cycles for the next generation. I'm going to help you with your children understand that this relationship that they're in, that you're in is, 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 although we can have compassion is not an acceptable situation. The kids know it. They're waking up and they're like, Oh my God, what happened last night? You know, 
So I want you, yes, I want you to, most people are not ready to look at that. They're like, oh my God, she wants me to look at the pain. She wants me to, most people don't want to do that. That's why we live in Instagram world. That's why we live in a world of filters is because it's easier for people to take the, put the blinders on and just pretend like nothing happened and go on about the day. Thank God that's over, but not you, not you, because you are committed to a better life. You are committed to a better life for you. You are committed to a better life for your children. You are committed to a better world. You are committed to to, to, to breaking this cycle for good for you and for your family. So you're not afraid of the truth. Also understand that the work is not easy. Once you start to realize how much this addicted relationship has impacted you, whether you're in it now or you grew up in it and escaped, the work of unraveling is, is, a, is, is serious business. Okay. The, the psychological damage that's been done to you. We, I've identified six different wounds that are a result of being in a relationship with an addict and alcoholic that are long lasting CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress, six specific wounds that you have a control wound. You don't feel like you have to, you have to be in control all the time and you have no control and you have to be in control. You have an identity wound. You don't know who you are outside of this relationship. You have a self-esteem wound. It's hurt your belief in yourself. You have trust wounds. You don't know who to trust or how to trust again. You have betrayal trauma in this way. You have emotional wounding where you have to suppress your emotions and get in touch with how you really feel again. There are lots of different ways you've been impacted. And the reason, another reason I wanted to come on here today is because we're starting at the very beginning this week for our toxic relationship recovery course that has been designed for people who are in relationships with addicts or alcoholics or otherwise narcissistic people who grew up in that environment, who escaped that environment, who married into that environment to recognize and realize how you have been impacted by this person's toxicity and dysfunction and start to heal one wounding at a time. What's on the other side of that? What's on the other side of that if you invest in yourself and say, I'm willing to do the work I need to do to recover? I see I've been affected. What's on the other side of that is unstoppable certainty in your value like you've never had before. It's uncertain. It, 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 is, it is an unshakable sense of self-worth. It is a standard that you're going to set and hold for yourself that is not going to be, that's going to be, un, un, I'm going to swear, unfuckwithable that nobody's going to be able to come into your life and knock you off your access anymore, that in any storm in your life, a person's dysfunction or shit show is spinning around around you and you are rooted in your value and in your worthiness and in your standards and you never settle again. And any eyes that are looking at you, your daughters, your sons, their children, any eyes that are looking at you will marvel at the person you've become as a result of doing this work how rooted you are in your love for yourself, how, how amazing you treat yourself and you lead the way and, and, and how you love yourself is reflected in the, in the standards that you hold for yourself. I want that for you. That's why I created this course for you. I grew up in a very toxic environment. I grew up with abuse, addiction, dysfunction, toxicity, trauma. It was not okay. I thought I'd escaped because I was so strong. You know, I became like a high achiever. I was like 
corporate diva, you know, on top of the world, kicking ass, making money. And I was like, thank God I escaped, right? I got out and I'm fine. And most of us do think we're fine. Even though we grow up in these toxic environments, we're like, well, I got out, I'm okay. But how do you know you're not okay is because we get into these relationships where other people are looking at us like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you putting up with this? And we don't know why we're putting up with it, but I do. I do. Everything that is unhealed in us shows up in our partnerships with other people. The way we allow ourselves to be treated, what we tolerate in other people, it's all a reflection. And so relationships are the hardest part. So once I recognize that, man, okay, well, I'm, I guess I have some work to do. That's why, I, that's how I created this course. That's how I created the toxic relationship recovery course was by first realizing that my relationships were dysfunctional. I was self-destructive. You know, I didn't know how to be in relationships with people that were mutually beneficial and loving and supportive. I knew how to self-destruct and that was it. And so I had to learn how to finally heal once and for all. And once I did that, then I started teaching it to hundreds of other people. And, and obviously we have amazing results. You know, people in people who have been in relationships with addicts or alcoholics who worked with me to set the standard, okay, and work to get their loved one well and in treatment. And people are sober years later. I have families that are reunited. I have relationships that are restored. I have families that are healed. I have families that have come together, families that are happy and healthy and whole. The children are okay. Everybody's okay. And I have other people who realize that that relationship was not good for them and they got out. And, but guess what? Some of them got into the new thing. Some of them are in relationships now with the person they were always meant to be with, you know, the one that really lights them up and lights their soul on fire and they feel ecstatic and happy to be in it. And other people are just fine being all by themselves and they love that path. So I don't have an agenda. I don't tell you, you have to fix this or you have to leave or walk away, but I do know that you need the wisdom to know what to do to find out. And you need somebody to hold the space for you long enough so you can figure out what it is that you need and want to do. And I can be that person for you. So if you're interested in the toxic relationship recovery course, I want you to leave a comment right here. I'm going to reach out to you on any platform that we're on. I'm going to be sending you a message or you can go over to HeidiRain.com right now and you can have a look at our toxic relationship recovery course. What we do is we offer a self-study course. You can purchase it right now and get started on your healing at this very moment. And then every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, I hold a live coaching circle, a live coaching group for an intimate number of people to walk you through this course week by week. If you want to be considered for that, if you would like for me to personally coach you and come alongside of you week by week, then I want you to go over to HeidiRain.com and send me a message. You can email me right there and just say, please coach me. And I'm happy to talk with you about how to come inside of this intimate environment on Wednesday nights. We start from the very beginning of the course this week. So now's the time, my love. You know, if, you, if you're sitting around thinking, well, Heidi, I don't know, maybe last week, this weekend, Labor Day was a fluke. You know, maybe they just, they will do better. They woke up today and they swore they got it. They told me, Heidi, I'm never going to drink again. I'm never going to do that again. I see my error of my ways. I want you to understand that denial and lies is the language addiction speaks in. It doesn't know any other language. Denial and lies are the language of addiction. And so even though your loved one believes that they're going to stop hurting you, unless there's an intervention and a long-term treatment plan, hurting you is inevitable. 
All right. And I don't want that for you. I want you to be equipped. I want you to have the tools. And now's the time to take the tools. This is the time. Divine appointment here now. What are the odds? It's Monday afternoon or I don't know, Monday night, whatever time you're watching this. What are the odds you're going to watch this? What are the odds this is going to come across you? It's divine appointment. It's a message that's meant for you. I want to help you. You deserve to be happy. You deserve good things. You deserve to have a relationship that mirrors your value. You deserve to see your value. You deserve to be equipped with the strategies and tools to turn this thing around and to save your family from any more heartache. All right. I love you. I'm going to go back in and read all these comments now and reply to everybody because I can't talk and read at the same time. It's, it's a little too much for me. Um, I love you. Take excellent care of yourself and I'll see you in my inbox.